and welcome to the YU Podcast, a safe space to jam about all things career, boost your confidence, and answer that challenging question, why should we hire you or why you? I'm Laura and I'm joined by Fee. Hi. This is part four of our five-part series on the question, why should we hire you? We've talked about research, reflection, consistency, and today we're talking about closing the gap. Fee, do you want to tell us a bit more about closing the gap and what we're talking about today? For me, it's such a huge part of preparing to answer that question and and be a good applicant for any role is trying to identify what I think the gaps are between me and being, you know, the 100% perfect match for that job and trying to break that down so I can think about really good examples or even just leaning into the fact that, yes, I can see that you might have wanted something else, but here's why I think I'm good. Like really, really connecting that dot and closing the gap. So to use an analogy, thinking about the game of darts, you start with all the points and you're trying to buy yourself down to zero. And that's kind of the internal maths about recruitment as well, is you're trying to hit all of the points that you can and slowly that whittles everyone down, but there's only one winner at the end of it. The darts nerds out there are going to say you don't want to hit the bullseye and there's other ways to mathematically get to zero. (laughs) However, the point for this analogy is you want to try to hit those bullseyes of, great, that's exactly what we're looking for. Or, oh, great, I'm on that journey with you of why you see yourself as the best fit or why you. I can go into an actual example about that from my own career. So probably about five and a half years ago, I was in lots of HR generalist roles for about 10 years and I liked it, but I really wanted to move myself towards talent acquisition and talent management and that sort of piece. And I'd had a lot of experience of that as a generalist, but on paper, I don't look like the right applicant for someone going into that type of role. And I knew that going in and I had the benefit of some experience. So I could identify those gaps. So I could say, look, I've got 10 years in this industry and 50% of my time is all around this type of work. And here's the projects that I've worked on that fit the type of work that I know this role will do. Because I genuinely think if I hadn't done that, I would have been looked over of like, this person's overqualified or this person doesn't actually have experience in what they are looking for in that type of role. So through research and reflection, I knew that. And so at every point of my application, I drew the point to uplifting and really showcasing the parts of my experience that talked about that and closed that gap. And spoiler alert, I got that job. (laughs) So that's really what closing the gaps means for me. So keen to hear your thoughts, Laura. No, I really like that. And I think especially your tie into research and reflection, our topics one and two, because they're kind of linear in a way, you know, research was all about understanding them and a picture of what this role was, the company, the people hiring. And reflection was all about you and taking that time to think about yourself, where you fit in amongst other candidates and what you bring to a role. And this is really that third piece, like you said, it's actually buying that back down. So it's a really neat tie in and this should flow on naturally from the thinking and research you've already done. So I think the big thing for me is this idea that it's also okay to not hit every criteria and that you're not necessarily aiming to buy down every little piece of question mark someone might have over you. And I think you and I have talked about this a lot and I'm sure we'll sort of expand on it in the confidence episode, but 
In particular, we're very passionate about supporting people who maybe don't back themselves or think that they need to sort of tick every single box before going for a job. And I know there's a lot of research out there saying that gender can also influence that as well. But Mm. I think the general point is, regardless of who you are, regardless of what level you're at, people should be going for roles that they don't tick every single box in. At the end of the day, you're going to be pretty bored if you tick every single box. You've already got every single skill. I mean, what are you there to learn? So Mm. I think as much as... Yes, of course, a hiring manager is going to want to get as much as they can for that role. And same with the recruiter. Like, of course, they want the best candidate, best fit, but that doesn't equate to them having absolutely no question marks about you. And I think that's where it's so important how you actually work with those gaps and how you talk about them. Mm. So often it's easy to feel like you have to answer every single thing and, and tick every box. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, Fee. The thing that comes to mind for me is the people who do tick all the box and so you get overlooked because you, you know, might be overexperienced. So if you've done a whole bunch of stuff but then you're applying for something kind of entry level that or if you've taken a career break or, you know, pivoting directions, it's completely fine to do that but you have to connect those dots for the recruiter. Mm. You have to assume that they are not going to do that. Hopefully they might but the amount of candidates that I talk to on paper don't make sense as an applicant and then once you talk to them you understand like oh I really want this job for xyz reason and they have that but expressing that as much as you can in a resume really Mm. helps draw that out because when it's a job that gets lots of applicants or there's so many factors that can put you in the no list instead of the yes that are out of your control often it's volume of applicants that they can't call every single person and find that out so you that's how you put your best foot forward and close the gap of why you mm. really try to articulate that and I think is so critical yeah I think doing that work for them as you've said and it's really helping them understand Mm. not just the motivations, but actually how those transferable skills from your past roles, no matter how different those roles seem, how that can actually help them. And I actually think from the business world, this is probably shifting and maybe we won't be having the same conversation in five years. Maybe we will be, but I do think a lot more organizations, particularly from the work I do, and we work with a lot of clients, they're moving more towards this sort of openness to lateral career paths and a lot more pushing for people to actually use skill sets across different areas. So I think in time, it'll be more natural. People will have a better language around skills. And I think they'll have a better understanding of, hey, this person's come from this type of career path or this type of educational background. And I can see how those skills could work in my role, but I'd say we're probably not there yet. And at the moment, I think it still is exactly what you said. When there's a lot of applicants for a role, you're probably going to be competing against quite a number who come through a very traditional career path or a traditional background, therefore it's easier for them to potentially show that link if you're coming from a slightly different background. And even if it's your first job that you're applying for, there's it still has to call out the passion or what mm. it, why it is you wanted and, uh, you know, just making connections of that, it just goes such a long way to understanding yeah. you as an applicant and, and then letting them go, great, I can see that, I can see where you're at. Like that's what recruiters are there to mm. do and make those connections and totally agree with your point that that will become less and less and we're seeing really great aptitude and interest from businesses of yeah yeah having transferable skills. We're not there yet and, and I think in particular I don't think that will ever go away for – very early in your career yeah figure out why you want that and why you're the best person for it and then like shout it out don't wait to be asked why you say it up front Mm. going in 
confidently or, or at least comfortably with the concerns that they might have and having a strong answer for what you plan to do. So if you're going into a role where it's going to have really high profile senior leaders looking over a lot of the work, like let's say, for example, it's a role in a group strategy team in a big organization or it's a strategy rotation program or whatever it is coming in, especially if you don't have that much experience, you might not have tangible examples of when have you influenced a senior leader? Like, But that's where you could go in knowing that, hey, that's going to be one of the things that they might raise. But maybe you're in like a debating society, maybe you've done loads of presentations and you've always had really good grades in that area. Maybe you work in a few other societies where you have to work with like a really extensive group of students across the university and maybe they've got like sister networks across other universities. Like all those examples can be used to say, no, I don't have direct experience influencing senior leaders, but I have a lot of really good experience public speaking, debating, bringing different groups together. And we did present to XYZ senior person at the university or whatever it is. Like there's a lot of examples where you can show that. And then you can say comfortably, and I'm actually really excited about that. That's one reason I'm applying is because I'm really keen to get that experience. And I would love to apply the strengths I've already got in this area and, and show that I can do that or like learn more about doing that in a business context. So own those things, not arrogantly, mm. just like comfortably be okay with the fact that it's it's totally fine, as we said, to have those gaps and link that back to your passion for why the role would be great and show that you've got other things that can help you do it and help you succeed. Yeah. And I think the hard part is how much do you cram into your application without making it super long? And what do you leave for your resume? And Oh, sorry, not your resume, for your interview. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on that, Laura? I'd say if there's a story you need to tell about between say your past experiences or let's say you've changed uni degrees, that probably should feature in say a cover letter because if it's something you think they're going to have a big question mark over, they're going to want an answer for that and that clarity up front. But then say in a resume, you wouldn't need as much of that information because for me, resume is more like factual information. You're still linking a lot of the kind of subcontext and skills within jobs and some of the achievements you've had. But really the story to me comes out more in something like a cover letter or answering short answer questions. I just think you have to start it up front, right? Yeah. That you, you want it to be succinct. Exactly right. Succinct is so important. And yeah, having your kind of opening statement, that's a really clear, this is why. And, and if, if something is really a big change there for you, like call that out. I really want this job to take my career from X to Z or to utilize my skills as this to transfer to the industry of Y. Like call that out in your like mm. very short summary at the top of a resume. Expand mm-hmm. on it if it's, if it's really significant in a cover letter. I agree. And then keep that consistent and be prepared to talk about that in, mm. during the application because whether like phone interview, face-to-face interview, whatever is happening, they're going to want to ask you more about it. So knowing, like having that really clear, I think coming back to my example from earlier, I felt like I had really, really thought about how my skills transferred, how I would really do this role in, when I moved from HR generalist work to kind of a talent acquisition role and could close that and the other part I was aware of my like quote-unquote shortcomings of my pathway to that role so I addressed that as well like I don't have as much experience as you know someone from an agency recruiting da 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 Mm. and this is the sort of things and then I like kind of talked about what why I wanted to develop that so you know I'm aware of that and I'm really excited to learn about it and just really using that as my platform to showcase my willingness to learn and my interest and my thoughtfulness about, again, like that why statement. So 
it's almost like, you know, your teaser product statement, like, hey, yeah, I've got this amazing background and I really want this job. And then here's all my, you know, facts and details in a resume so they can get that sense. And then that should leave them like wanting to talk to you and really wanting to understand more about you as an applicant. Yeah. And I think what you said about the passion piece is also that's what the interview's for, because you can certainly convey some level of passion through a cover letter in your style of writing. Mm. But at the end of the day, that's going to come out way more in a conversation about, well, this is why I changed what I was studying. This is why I'm really excited. This is how it fits into to your role or your company. So I think that's the thing you're aiming for in the interviews, bring it to life. And that is showing the link with your passions and that sort of genuine mm. motivation. Coming back to consistency that we covered in episode three, those are the things that can drop you out of an application as well. Mm. If you are really articulate and passionate and then you come to the interview and you can't continue that point or you haven't really thought full answers, it's, it's that consistency that is going to um, drop that off. Yeah, so it'll be a shortcoming. And we'll leave it there and move everything to our part five of this series all about confidence. Too much, not enough. There's a lot to <laughs> unpack about and hitting the right tone with confidence. So we'll cover that off in part five. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> no. <laughs>